Hey guys, this is Hampton Harmon with the More and More Podcast. Today we had on David Domalski. We had an awesome conversation about the local church, the value of mentorship, and the ever-famous Florida man. Be sure to tune in. Thanks. All right, guys, this is Hampton with the More and More Podcast. I'm here with David Domalski, a dear friend and loyal brother of mine. Uh, David, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us who you are uh, for the fans at home. Yeah, thanks, Hampton, for having me. Uh, my name is David Anthony Domalski. Um, Anthony? Really? Yeah, best initials in the room, at least, I think. Dad. You can yeah. do that. Yeah, wow. it's pretty good. Um, Ooh, that's kind of gross. <laughs> my favorite fact about myself, to be honest with you. But um, Yeah, I am a junior at uh, USC, studying finance and marketing for some reason. Um, grew up in Maryland, so technically a Yankee, I guess. Live in Virginia with my parents in Williamsburg. Shout out to the 757. Um <laughs> And yeah, that's me. So, before we get started, uh, you are world famous around Shannon College and around um, USC. <laughs> world famous. World famous, locally. <laughs> sure. Um, I want to know what you're doing this summer and why you're doing it. So we're a, our listeners know we're a college ministry. Uh, we don't shy away from that. Sometimes we talk about things that are uh, not college ministry-esque, and then sometimes we have a student like you come on and talk about ministry-related stuff. So what are you doing this summer, and why are you doing it? Yeah, um, <clears throat> this summer, uh, doing something called GenSend. Um, it's, I actually did it last summer in Atlanta. This summer I'm going to Pittsburgh. Um, it kind of falls under the umbrella of the North American Mission Board. Um, it's a program that sends college-age <laughs> students to send cities in North America to live their life on mission. Um, What's a send city, David? Good question, Hampton. <laughs> um, a send city is something that the... North American Mission Board, like I said, NAM, um, kind of identifies as a city, usually large, um, in need uh, of the gospel, like like that we want to like intentionally focus on and send people to, right. um, because the gospel isn't there as much as other ones. Okay, so you're going there this summer, right? And what all are you going to do this summer? Um, a lot. So the best way to describe Jensen is kind of threefold. Um, kind of doing mission where you live, so that's going to be a college campus for us in Pittsburgh at Duquesne. Um, last summer was Georgia Tech, so... Duquesne, you pronounced it right. Uh, the first time I went there, I asked, asked people where Duquesne was, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> let's just say it didn't, yeah, it did not go at all. So if you've ever seen the word Duquesne, it's pronounced Duquesne. Perks of never being a state over in all right, so doing mission where you live, what else? Yeah, so mission where you live, where you're staying, uh, mission where you work, I guess, um, and directly for Jensen, that's like directly with a church plant or many church plants in Atlanta. We were doing, um, like we were helping many church plants, but um, kind of like helping with childcare, with like having helping them have a presence on a Sunday morning or a presence in community group, um, maybe some outreach that they're doing, kind of being their help and whatever they need. Um, and then last is kind of mission where you want or choose. Um, Jensen kind of coins the term gospel rhythm. So go to, if you feel like coffee, go to a coffee shop every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at the same time. Basically just kind of getting in a rhythm so you can develop relationships so you can share the gospel with them. It's kind of the plan and the mission that they set out. So you're leading our team to Pittsburgh. So you're leading a team of how many college students you guys got? 10 or 11. Yeah, so 10 or 11 college students. Why the city of Pittsburgh? What's special about Pittsburgh? Is there a need there that's greater than elsewhere, or why Pittsburgh? Um, I don't know if I'd say like greater than. Um, personally, like I'm passionate. I mean, I've been there three times. I'm passionate about it. Um, the the need is great in Pittsburgh, though. Like the um, North American North American Mission Board talks about uh, and has facts about how there's one 
church for every 45,000-ish people. Um, you can wow. fact check that, Caleb. But uh, yeah, basically, like for everybody to be church in Pittsburgh, there'd have to be churches that have capacity <laughs> that have 45,000 people. It's just not a lot of churches. Um, yeah. And my own personal experience there, uh, this is kind of like a north versus south um, difference in terms of the gospel and, and the um, like the culture of who Jesus is, or like like people who know Jesus. Yeah. Um, he's just not really known there. Uh, and and while, while it is encouraging, like the times that I've been to meet people that are dissatisfied with religion for yeah. whatever that is for them. Um, but like like growing up in the south, I think people know the name Jesus um, and might not know him personally, but at least know the name. But then up north, it's just they might not even know who he is and might not might not have ever heard of him. So it's just it's just different. But I. I like that personally. So you're, I know you just said you grew up in the South. Um, no, I which didn't. Is, you <laughs> said growing well. up in the South, quote, quote unquote. So you grew up in what, Virginia or Maryland? Maryland. Yeah, it's basically the same state. Um, you're right. <laughs> so what has been, I guess, the biggest difference between a church where you grew up in Maryland slash Virginia versus what you've seen here at, I mean, you've been at the University of South Carolina, which is your experience for the South. Um, but also, what leads you to go back up north in kind of diagnosing uh, church in both places? Yeah, um, <clears throat> so I, I kind of mentioned it just now, but the difference of in the north, like, I mean, church, big C church is the body of believers. So, so yeah. yes, it's going to be different culturally, but at the same time, like, we all have Christ in common. Um, I'd say the culture outside of church, though, is a lot different because there are people, and it's not uncommon for someone to just not know who Jesus is. Like I, one of my best friends from high school, um, I got to talk to him about Jesus and like he had never heard what I was talking about. And that was just kind of shocking for me as someone who grew up in Christian home, you know, private school. Um, and in the South, it, uh, for, from what I can tell, um, being at school here for a couple of years, it's just not that way. Like you, you talk to people about Jesus and they're like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Like I'd, I've been to church. I know the name. Um, and personally, I think it's really hard to break down that barrier of like, hey, like, like to a friend, like, I love you, friend, but you claim to know who Jesus is, but you don't really know him. And so right. up north, it's like, hey, you don't even know who this person is at all. Let me share how amazing he is and what he's done in my life. So that, that to me is cool, like more exciting um, and easier, at least, like for me personally. Yeah, I think even as someone who grew up in the South, like one of the biggest things I've noticed is that in the South, we... We'll talk about Jesus, and we know Jesus, but we're um, a lot of times just as lost as anybody who hasn't heard Jesus, right? Because we've become desensitized to it. So we almost have these two sides of the spectrum of we have heard about Jesus and claim to know Jesus, but don't experience any of his power, any of his life change, versus we haven't heard about Jesus, and so we haven't experienced any of his life change. And so um, I I will say to that, like, the, the cool thing about the North is if someone does know the name Jesus and does follow him, it's they're a lot more likely to, like, act like it, I guess, or yeah. like, like like show it in action. So I, I know um, a common thing in the South is yeah, like you said, to talk about Jesus and to talk about the facts and stuff like that. But then there's no really life change. There's no action steps, and that does seem to be a little more common in the North. Like, oh, this is what Jesus has done in my life. I'm gonna act like it. So that is one cool um, pro, I guess. Yeah. So you're coming from again a northern context, coming to the South, and then going back to the northern context, at least this summer and probably for a while after yeah, that, right? probably. Um, and so the reality of, like, your story is that you're you're coming from, you've seen almost everything as far as what the 
um, this part of the country has to offer. And sure. So what were you like before you came to college and what has been some of the factors in like changing who you are since you've been at college? Yeah. Um, so like I mentioned, I grew up in a Christian home, went to private school, um, you know, accepted salvation, accepted Jesus in my heart when I was about 10 or 11. Um, and in middle school, really had like a good relationship with God, uh, especially for my age. Got to high school and went to public school and didn't really follow Jesus. Um, and, and I came to college and kind of what I look back is I identify as like an identity crisis almost. I didn't know who I was. Um, I didn't know what my purpose was. I didn't really have a purpose. Um, I kind of had a lot of fear because I knew the person that I wanted to act like. Um, but I knew that with a lot more freedom and a lot... <laughs> more responsibility, I guess, but yeah, just a lot more freedom, a lot more choices to be who I wanted to be. I was literally didn't know what I was going to be like, um, didn't really know my, what my identity was. And so coming to college, um, getting involved with Shandon and kind of um, the Lord reminding me of himself, I guess, because yeah. um, he, he didn't change, but I did. Um, and since that moment, really early on freshman year, getting involved with Shandon, my, my purpose in life changed. Um, and I I actually started following Jesus. Yeah. Um, because in high school it wasn't that way. Like I, again, I knew who he was, but I wouldn't have called myself a follower of Jesus that, at that point. But in college, that changed. Yeah. So, what were the I guess the biggest catalysts to seeing change in your life? Like for me, whenever I came to college, um, I was looking to follow Jesus. I just hadn't really been taught what that even would be like. Like, what does it look like to really follow after Jesus? And so, the biggest things that happened to me were. First of all, being discipled by an older college student who like just snatched me and was like, you're going to do this. Learning to share my faith pretty practically and then getting a mentor. So what what were your um, the big catalysts to seeing change in your life when you got here? Yeah, I, would, I think mine, to sum it up, are pretty similar. Um, I can't emphasize enough the importance of getting involved in the local church. Um, I, I love my family and I, I love a lot of things about it, but I think... The one hard part growing up was um, how we kind of split going to church. It was, you know, some days it was going to Catholic church with dad. Some days it was going to Protestant church with mom. Um, and had a really good childhood. And, like, again, uh, got taught who, about God in the home. But right. it was just like a Sunday thing. And, and so when you're not even going to the same church on Sunday, it's really hard to get involved. And so coming to college and having the opportunity to go to Sunday school and church on Sunday morning, right. having a college ministry that offers stuff Sunday night, having a small group, community group, you know, a night of the week, uh, having the opportunity to help out with Awana, and then, you know, Thursday night worship. It, there was just so much for me to do, and I was like, come on, like, <laughs> give me more. Like, I was had this new love for Jesus and this new opportunity to really get involved many times throughout the week. Um, right. And so it really became a large part of my life. So, yeah, definitely the local church. Um <clears throat> and accountability too, and that kind of goes along with mentorship. Um, accountability loosely, and you know, we had our freshman table. That's just something we do at Shannon. If you're a freshman, we kind of plug you in with other freshmen and a freshman mentor. And so having that accountability was awesome. But then, uh, as my freshman year progressed, getting um, three people who are now my best friends to keep me accountable um, in growing in holiness and growing to share my faith, and then getting a mentor who did the same thing, but also spoke wisdom into me, had more life experience, is older than me, and could really help me, like, help me make decisions, help me with theological truths that I was struggling with, so, yeah, I think accountability, mentorship, and then involvement in the local church is definitely three things that really were helpful. That's awesome. I love that you talked about, like, getting plugged into the local church, because a lot of college students, 
Um, and this is not a knock on like any parachurch. Um, and for those of you who don't attend either church or parachurch, uh, parachurches are organizations that exist outside the church for community and for evangelism, which is good, right? We're, we are excited about those um, organizations, places like Young Life and Student Life and um, all the other lives and, and places, um, FCA, that sort of thing. Like we, we love those organizations, but I think a lot of times what students miss mm-hmm. is they either get plugged into those organizations and never really make it to the local church, which is um, what I think the scripture has to say to us about you know community, but also the flip side is they get plugged into the local church um, and they never learn how to share their faith. They kind of get sucked into only being around church people. Yeah. One thing that the parachurch, uh, FCA does this really, really well, especially FCA at Carolina. If you're an athlete and you're listening, you need to be at FCA. Mm-hmm. Um, or, and Young Life does this really well too, but they, they get you around lost people. And so it's like we have, it's kind of like the spectrum we were talking about before where it's like we have, you're either plugged into this local church that a lot of times never darkens the door of anywhere where lost people are, or you're in a parachurch that is doing awesome things around lost people, but is maybe missing some of the community aspects that a church would offer. And mm-hmm. so um, finding, at least for me, finding Shandon had, was, was a huge help in, in finding balance. Um, Definitely. But I think one thing I wanted to ask you about your experience with the local church is what is, what has like your local church, so you this is your chance to kind of brag on Shandon, yeah. but also give our listeners an idea of what they should be looking for in a, in a college ministry, in a local church, um, and how do they move forward in, in getting plugged in? Yeah, <clears throat> I think something super important about the local church as a whole, um, and this might just be a preference for me, but I think it really is important. Um, make sure that the church that you're attending is Bible-believing, like they have the Bible out on Sunday morning, they yeah. preach what the Bible says, um, and don't try to fit their ideology and their opinions into the Bible itself. Like let, let, let the Bible speak for itself, because it can yeah. stand on its own, that's super important. Um, I think also uh, a church that um, is, is yes like is, is a church that exists to invite lost people in for sure and a church that is exists to encourage believers. But um, J.D. Greer says it really well in his book Getting by Losing. Like as a pastor, he is not there to entertain the crowd; he's there to empower an army. And yeah. like kind of the contrast between the congregation being an audience versus an army. Um, I, I challenge you if you're listening and like are looking to get involved in church, try to find a church that empowers you and challenges you to go outside of the church and be active because I think a lot of people are hesitant to get plugged in because the church like doesn't do this for me or doesn't like yes the church is supposed to help you but it's also supposed to challenge you to step out and be a follower. Does that make sense? Like Absolutely. Yeah. Um so what was the and you, you kind of already already talked about this a little bit, but what was the biggest um Thing that happened to you in college that led to following Jesus? Like, was there a defining moment for you that led you to um, serious life change and serious like commitment change, all that, all that stuff? Yeah. Um, so Shannon really played a big part of it. I uh, that first week was really hard. I again coming from Virginia to South Carolina, not that many hours. I know people travel further, but I knew like one or two people from my high school. And so, and, and a good friend that was a senior who eventually helped me get plugged into Shannon, but I really didn't know anybody. So that first week or two was hard, lonely. Um, yeah. Who's your friend that was a senior? Uh, Rebecca Naram. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. She's awesome. Her little sister is my best friend since I was like two, so love that family. But yeah, um, 
it was really lonely, and if you know me, that's really hard for me. I am an extrovert and thrive off being around people, and so I was just not myself. Um, and so I came to Shandon, um, wasn't even looking for a church, just kind of got told, like, hey, Ashley Beheimer actually is going to drive you to church tomorrow, and you're going to go. And so I went um, and was welcomed uh, by Max Talmadge and Harrison Evans, two awesome guys, uh, and just already felt at home, which is really great. But during our, our big church worship, I kind of closed my eyes and realized, like, hey, this is why I'm at Carolina. Like, it's here for God to remind himself, run himself to me. Um, and that was just a moment of peace for me. And so after that, I looked to really get involved with Shannon, heard Drew Brickwoody's testimony of him, like, knowing about Jesus and then really re- rededicating his life uh, to the Lord in yeah. college. And then I went back that night and did that um, and read the Bible like I'd never read it before. So I think those two moments for me, you know, Shannon worship service in the morning and then community group with Drew really encouraged me to do something with my faith. Yeah. So you mentioned getting an awesome mentor before. Yeah. Um, which is, thanks for that. So for those of you who don't know this, I'm David's mentor. Um, we have had a, like a mentor mentee relationship, I think for two and a half. Yeah. Two and a half. Years. Sure. Two yeah, um, Caleb's mentor too. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, my little my children in the room. Um, no, so it, it's been really cool for me because I've like mentor mentee discipleship type of relationship for two and a half years, which still continues for sure. But also like just genuine friendship. Yeah, um, and brotherhood. Uh, it's almost like an older brother, younger brother type thing. Yeah. Um, so, what about? And this is not like. Brag on the relationship, don't brag on me, because that will make for an awkward podcast for people listening if you're just, like, stroking my ego the whole time. Um, Not good for you either, I don't Yeah, think. I mean, it'll... be it, yeah. hard, I don't know. And I want to be able to get my head out of the door when I leave, so... Um, it's hard to brag on you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. We're, we're spiraling. Um, I think uh, for people to hear, like, what has been good about our relationship, um, and then after that, like, what has been hard about our relationship, sure. so... What has been what has been some of the best parts of our relationship um, that has led to growth for you, so that our listeners can be looking for that in a mentor? Yeah, uh, first I want to clarify like mentor mentee relationship is vital and super important and awesome in a spiritual context. But if you're like in the professional world, definitely be looking for a mentor in that context too. Like yeah. I think just mentor mentee relationships are awesome across the board. Right. Um, you mentioned it, man. Like. Like really, I really like you're someone I really admire and have admired. Um, and being able to call you a mentor and then grow to like call you a friend has been awesome. Um, and I think just in general, a relationship with a mentor of someone who's older than you that's really important because they need to have more life experience than you. Um, and it's been really cool to see things that have gone on in your life, even as I've known you, um, that you've been able to use to help me of th- similar things that will happen in my life. Um, and, and I think back to a lot of decisions that I've made that would have been a lot different if I didn't have a mentor or people that kept me accountable, that gave me godly advice and wisdom from the outside. Um, many times that I <laughs> could have made a, a, worse mis- uh, a worse decision and a big mistake. But um, just having people that speak truth into your life and love you enough to tell you hard things or <laughs> give you constructive criticism, um, yeah. that's the best part. Uh, what was, what's the hardest thing I've ever told you? Thing if I could put you on the spot. <laughs> hardest thing you've ever told me. Um, pretty recently, I think you challenged me to uh, stop being such a people pleaser. Um, and you kind of explained why. So, you know, not just because it's bad, but like that can lead to destruction for me if I'm just constantly trying to please people. Um, 
how that can hurt in ministry and in my individual like life individually. Yeah. So it's helpful. Um, but again, like when your mentor is someone you admire, uh, <laughs> admire being someone that you look up to and you still like them. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Avon shout out. Yeah. So <laughs> better than you, but you still like them. Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah. Hearing someone that you look up to kind of speak into your life and say something that you're bad at. Um, yeah. It's again, it's helpful, but it's kind of hard. Yeah. So what has been the hardest part about our relationships? And this is where you get to just tear me, tear me a new one. This is where you get to deflate the ego <laughs> a little bit. Easy part. Yeah. What's been hard? Um, I think, I, again, with, with a mentor relationship with someone you really respect and admire, um, it's been hard for me to make sure I'm not taking everything you say as, like, perfect truth. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, Don't ever do that. Right. So <laughs> That's for everybody listening to the sound. <laughs> if you hear this voice, do not do, not do that. Right. Yeah. Like, if you don't know Hampton, he's super smart and intelligent and <clears throat> knows a lot. But um, I think I have a tendency to be easily swayed, and so I think a hard part about our relationship is me like hearing what you say and critically analyze it for myself and yeah. make sure it is in line with scripture because if I'm taking your word above the word of God then that's yeah, just not good definitely and I think for me too like I am uh, I appreciate what you're saying about being smart but also like with that one of my pitfalls is I just say stuff sometimes <laughs> like it'll just come to my head and then it'll be out my mouth and I'll be wishing for a mulligan that I wish I wish I could get it back so totally something my mentor um who's Billy, our college pastor, who should be in in the next couple weeks to, to record one of these podcasts as a guest. Nice. Um, something that he used to always talk about is doing... Um, our, our slogan for our mentor group, which was his first ever, was Be Your Brother's Keeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, we joked that we were going to get it tattooed on our butts, but we never <laughs> did. Um, but there was a group of guys who were two of my best friends, uh, two people who I've been in their weddings, and just they're, they're awesome guys, but they... Um, we always talked about the value of doing mentorship in community. Like mm-hmm. we're not just, it's not, it is a one-on-one, like you and I have a relationship, but yeah. I also, there's the added bonus of, I have a relationship the same way with three of your best friends and y'all have that relationship. Yeah. Um, so what kind of value would you place on being discipled in community and in a small community like that? Um, yeah, I think a pro right off the bat is I think if it's a one-on-one relationship and so in our accountability and mentor group, we, we don't focus solely on sin, but we are serious about purging out the sins in our lives and being called to holiness and yeah. keeping each other accountable for that. So I think if it's a one-on-one relationship, it, it's really easy for it to get caught into like, here's how I sinned, here's how you sinned, and this is just heavy confession time, and we're just stuck at like, ah, oh, like we're both awful people. Um, and so I think with a group... Um, there's a lot more opportunity for like having fun together and joking around together and a lot more personalities that balance each other out. I think that's one awesome thing about our dynamic, like me and Tanner Barfield, rock star. We're very emotions driven. And so, you know, if there's a, if we're gonna respond to something, we're either gonna respond logically or emotionally, it's more often gonna be emotionally. And then the other half of our group will respond logically. And so just having the balance of personalities um, is helpful just in getting along, like getting along, but also um, advice too. Yeah, that's been the coolest part for me is like watching. First of all, y'all are all growing. Y'all are all like sharing your faith. You're all growing in gospel community, but you're also like just really like watching y'all grow together as friends has been really cool. Like y'all are better friends. Um, Definitely. I yeah. think because we've been being mentored together, <laughs> or I've been mentoring you together. We haven't been 
I guess you guys have kind of mentored me as well. But um, like watching y'all grow together has been the coolest part because it's like I'm watching four ends of a grid because y'all are also different but have similarities to each other in each way. Um, watching y'all grow together has been been really really cool. Can I ask you a question about? Yeah, you can. So, what advice would you give listeners and myself if? Like anybody wants to step into a mentor position because so far I've just been a mentee and it's been awesome. But yeah. at some point I'd like to step into a mentorship yeah. role. What advice do you have for people that are looking for that and saying like saying the tough stuff, I guess? Yeah. So, man, I cannot stress enough like how unworthy I felt to be y'all's mentor. And that's not like I'm not trying to be humble. I never try to be humble. So it's <laughs> true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I'm humble, it's usually because it's actually true. Um, or he's fake. <laughs> um, but that like I, I didn't feel adequate um, but I did I, I did an honest evaluation of my uh, gifts and abilities and took an honest stock of like do I have something to offer these freshmen in college because if I do then you know it's kind of like a James 4 scenario where if I know the good I ought to do and don't do it it's sin yeah. so like if I have something to offer that can grow them as men and I'm not doing it, then I, I'm, in, I'm in the wrong. Okay. But the opposite end of the spectrum is if I'm not ready to enter into this relationship and I enter, I'm going to do them a great disservice. Yeah. Um, and so I took stock of kind of who I was in Christ and, and decided that I think I have something to offer. Granted, I was like, had just turned 21, I think, <laughs> and y'all were... Um, yeah, definitely thought you were like 25. It was weird. Yeah, it was so funny. I think when y'all found out how young I was, y'all were like, uh... Why did we choose this guy? <laughs> yeah, right. Um... But I I graduated from college and like yeah, I mean y'all know that part of my life I was dating and I was I was living with a, a, a you know a random roommate kind of and, and just kind of living life and y'all were uh, so I, I really didn't think I had a ton to offer but I thought I'm I'm about a half stage of life ahead of where they're gonna be um, and so yeah I would say first take a take a evaluation of who you are an honest evaluation of are you ready to step into this role do you have something to offer. Is there an area of your life that needs to be, um, you need to root out some sin? And that's the biggest thing is like, if it will, it will quickly be revealed in a discipleship relationship if you don't have the, the holiness chops to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I'm certainly not the holiest person in any room, um, I am passionate about pursuing holiness yeah. and being better. Yeah. And so that was something that I, I realized. And then just uh, always evaluate can I get along with the people that I'm thinking about mentoring? Because like my, one of my rules is if I don't think I'll like you, I don't want to mentor you. And that's like, that sounds really harsh, but it's every relationship is different. Yeah. So like the best thing about having Billy is Billy legitimately loves me, but he also likes spending time with me, which makes it him, me easy to be mentored and him easy to mentor me. Okay. Um, I think a lot of times we try to disciple a ton of people when in reality, sometimes personalities don't mix and we need yeah. to realize that. And allow somebody else to step in. And so I would just take stock of who you are because um, otherwise you're going to be entering into a relationship where you're not going to be a super great mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that takes some honesty and some correction. Um, but really just go for it. That's what I say. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. So say I'm a freshman listening <laughs> to this podcast. Man, I need a mentor. How do I find a mentor? Yeah, so uh, if you need a mentor and you go to Shannon College, if you don't go to Shannon College, um, dude, I like I don't know, maybe just email me and I'll uh, I'll like 
look up random adults on the internet <laughs> for you and like I'll call them and if they're Christian I'll just tell them to call you or something but yeah I'll, I, I don't know uh, but if you new Angie's list right if you do oh. go to if you do go to Shannon College then um, you need to get in touch with me at Hampton Harmon on Instagram either slide in my DMs um, <laughs> talk to you in person maybe yeah or find me in person email me at hharmon at Shannon um, we would love to get you plugged into a mentor we actually have um, some mentorship opportunities coming up um, and we would love to get you plugged in. I can't stress enough, like, uh, my mentor, Billy, had a mentor named David who had a mentor. Uh, I don't know David's mentor, but it's, that's how it's supposed to work is it's yeah. a discipleship yeah. uh, from the top down. And then these guys that I mentor are going to go on to mentor other students next year. And so we, we're – that's what we do. That's what discipleship is. And so, yeah, I can't stress enough how to do that. And we'll probably have to clarify some of that instruction at a later episode, mm-hmm. but we would love to do that. Um yeah, David, the question that I was going to ask you before you interrupted me. I'm really sorry. Um, no. So you are a younger generation um, in the church, and it's no secret that our age, um, and I could say our age because we're from the same generation, even mm-hmm. if I'm a few years older, yeah. um, is known for either being passionately, like the passion generation, like the passionately pursuing Jesus, or, and this is much more common, being the generation that's like leaving the church in droves and running. So uh, how do how does the younger generation get plugged back into the church and what can the older generation and the younger generation learn from one another? That's a big question. Yeah, I think it's kind of in the question, what can we learn from one another? I think we have to be willing to, uh, and, and this is a good <laughs> life hack in general, probably deny your right to be offended um, yeah. because that's just gonna help everybody. Um, but I think going into those like older versus younger relationships, uh, getting like preparing yourself to learn something, uh, understanding that you don't know everything and that somebody else's side of the story um, and their different life experience really can help you um, in one way or another is really important. Um, what was the other part of the question? Yeah, how does how does the younger generation get plugged back into the church and, and why should they? How do they go about getting plugged into the church? Yeah, um, <laughs> I think. The fact that a lot of younger people are leaving um, can also speak to the problem of Christians that are not effectively or act- actively sharing their faith, I guess, yeah. um, and not seeking out people that are leaving. Um, yeah. So if you are someone that just is not super in the church, but you know somebody that is, go out and talk to them. And if you're somebody that is active in church and you know people that aren't, go out and talk to them. Um, I think accountability too, like like coming together and kind of being unified in it. Um, is really important and yeah I think getting relationships with the older generation because they have a lot of tools and assets that we might not have like maybe more time or financially like more that Um, yeah and I think too for this is I mean this is for all people involved but like stop operating by the stereotype yeah like and that's that's on every level and also don't assume the stereotype on the other side right so like every um the older generation a lot of times assumes the younger generation is like we're all these carnal, um, liberal, left, like eh, whatever, whatever you want to say. Um, and now we don't value the same things, and that's not always true. But also I think a lot of people that are leaving the church assume that if they have been hurt by the church, and if you've been hurt by the church and you're listening, like, we hate that. Yeah. Um, I don't know any Bible-believing, gospel-centered Christian who wants you to be hurt, right? That doesn't make any sense, but I think... Um, if you've been hurt by the church, like, 
we want to show you there are other people who are like adamantly about pursuing you and want to pursue you, I think. Um, I, I talked to a student recently who had shared the gospel with a, a friend of theirs, and their friend was like, why don't we, um, why, why aren't there more Christians like you? And the response is like, there are, you just haven't met any of them. Like, yeah. we know, I can introduce you to a hundred of them. Yeah. Like, and that's honestly been my experience is once I came to faith, I realized like, holy cow, there's people that love me and love um, my generation. And so I think stereotypes are the, are the big killer of relationships, it seems like. Yeah, and I would also say, um, it. I agree with you. I think yeah. that people that are hurt by the church, like that's not okay. That's more often than not the church's fault. And so like we should come together and keep the church accountable. Yeah. Um, but being offended by the church is not the same thing as being offended by God and like being wronged by the church is not the same thing yeah. as being wronged by God and so just just encourage you if you're listening like if you've been hurt by the church um, that is not an accurate reflection of yeah. God's love for you um, and so right. really investigating and maybe sh- showing some effort and trying to find a, a church or at least yeah. people that do love Jesus as he commands and yeah. and, and finding the love of God it's, it's going to be a lot different for you and it's going to be ultimately yeah. rewarding I, it's the old Gandhi quote, right? Gandhi said, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your yeah. Christians are not like your Christ. And it's like, yes, Christians, you need to act like Jesus. Yeah. But also, unbeliever or a person walking away from the church, Christians will never be completely like Jesus. Yeah. And if you're waiting for a Christian to act exactly like Christ, you're asking us to act like the perfect Savior. Um, and that's a really tall standard that if you ever come to faith, we're going to hold you to as well. So like... Just remember, people people fall short every day. Um, Definitely, like a, so, a church is made up of, of human beings that are <laughs> that work in it and that go to it. So right, and as we long as it is, problems. we're gonna have some problems with <laughs> with holiness for sure. Right. Um, well, dude, uh, I love you, and love I'm you, so Andrew. glad you have been on the podcast with us and kind of um, willing to unpack our relationship, but also just um, your desire to follow Jesus. Do you have any thoughts before we jump into current events or anything? Yeah, uh, a, a, a couple, I guess, right off, off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, if you're listening and you you don't know Jesus as your Lord, like, talk to me, talk to Hampton, um, <laughs> talk to somebody. Uh, that's something that I'm passionate about. I know Hampton's passionate about it, just um, sharing the gospel and, and making sure Jesus' name is spread wide and far. Um, and if you do know Jesus, uh, tell, tell other people about him. Yeah. <laughs> that's important. And if you're saved, you're sent. And so... Boom! Talk to me. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, remember that this is a, a culture and faith podcast, and so um, just a shameless plug before David and I jump into talking about current events and into David's just what I'm sure are going to be mind blowing recommendations. Really, for, really good Stay for tuned. you. Um, <laughs> uh, if you have any questions at all about uh, anything related to culture and faith, especially in the college context, you can. We now have Instagram up, which is our big announcement for the week that we're going to announce it at the end. Again, but at more and more podcasts on Instagram, DM us with any sort of questions and we will try to answer questions every week. We are going to start doing a question segment if we if we can, if we get enough questions each week, which I'm sure we will because you, the listeners, are, are dying to ask people like me and David questions. So DM us at, at the more and more podcast, at more and more podcast. Is that right, Caleb? Mm-hmm. Thank you, producer Caleb. We got to come up with like a nickname for you. Producer Caleb just doesn't doesn't cut it. That's uh, nice. DJ DJ Leb DJ Levy Lou DJ Levy Lou DJ Levy Lou on the ones and twos. Um, at more and more podcasts. All right, let's jump to some current events. This is 
one that we can't help but talk about, which we don't have a headline, but I, I want to mention it. Um, man, USC Columbia has had a couple of tragedies this week. Um, we had a student who has not been named commit suicide um, by jumping off the Doty garage, which is just um, horrible, and it's and it's horrible for a couple reasons. First, that someone um, was brought low enough in their mental state to commit that act, but also that um, our students who know and love that person, uh, because a lot of times that's that's the lie, that's the the core defect that someone's dealing with is that they're not known and loved, um, and so students are, are hurting over that. But we also had. Another horrific thing happened, which we had a student, Samantha Josephson, um, who was a senior here, a poli-sci major, and a sorority, um, sorority sister, and one of our, our Greek sororities here, um, who was, I mean, I'm not going to mince words, she was killed um, after a night and five points, and it's a horrific act, and like, I, I want to say this up front, um, we're, we're praying for justice, we're praying for real gospel-centered justice yeah. uh, for her and for her um, attacker. We're, we're praying for him to be brought to justice. There has been an arrest. We're not going to name this person because as far as uh, we are concerned here at the More and More Podcast, this person's act does not get to be glorified. We mm. uh, just want to um, yeah, elevate Samantha Josephson and, and let anyone know uh, that Shannon College is totally available to talk to you about... Um, yeah, about this world, about why stuff like this happens, and and to offer any counsel. And we are lifting our prayers. Um, and I know that's kind of a, a trope that that gets said is thoughts and prayers, right? But we are we are genuinely praying for the Joseph yeah. family and asking for God to do something, something big. So, David, do you have any thoughts about these two, um, these two local news stories? I guess you'd call them before we jump into our current events for the day. Yeah, uh, definitely a heavy heart, um, and. I didn't know either of these students, but to know that peers of mine on the same campus as me were, that, that, that one was struggling enough to, to end her life, um, super sad, I mean, and, and grieving with her friends and people that knew her, because um, I'm sure that, like, I, yeah, that just must be super hard. Um, and then Samantha, someone who thought she was getting an Uber back to her, wherever she lived, I can't imagine the fear uh, of, of getting into a car and seeing that the person isn't your Uber driver and that your life is probably going to end. Like, it, it, I think it just re- reminds us of the brokenness in the world and that the world is broken and evil um, yeah. and that we really do need a savior um, yeah. and we've got one, which is awesome. So I, I really hope that if you're listening and you're struggling, yeah, you definitely do contact Shannon College and also um, contact the, the person that created you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and, and turn to him in times like this. And I would say this too. Uh, this is a big question that David and I certainly don't have the time or the inclination today to unpack. Um, is like why this kind of thing happens. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to have Dr. Pat Wright, who's an mm. ethics professor at Carolina, to talk about um, a little bit about why evil happens. Um, and we're going to try to unpack that. That may be a fairly long podcast. Uh, just gotta get an idea to what I already when, he, when he comes on. It's going to be pretty long, but. Um, we, like, we're willing to have that conversation. Um, but what I want, again, culture and faith is what we're after. Um, and so my faith tells me this. This is, this is we're not going to close here because we've got other stuff to talk about. Um, and we want to lift Samantha up and, and her family. But um, 
our faith tells us, and this is the beautiful thing about faith, that we could give you all the like apologetic answers about um, why evil happens, and I'm willing to engage in that intellectual conversation, but in reality, the thing that you need to know is that God is not passive, um, and He is a victim of the same evil uh, that yeah. you're talking about. God is, uh, we, we believe that God became a man and suffered at the hands of evil, um, that that evil was so profound that it actually led to His death, and so... Um, if you are mourning Samantha, uh, and some of you are, are genuinely mourning a friend, we're mourning someone we, we don't really know um, because friends of ours are mourning, and we're just yeah. being honest about that. We are, we are trying to weep with those who weep. Um, and so some of you are, are the first weepers. You, you're weeping because you knew and you lost someone. And so we weep with you, but we also just want to say uh, God's not passive. He is, he is not passively um, sitting by as Samantha has suffered, that he is a victim of that suffering and he wants to uh, provide hope for a broken world. So yeah. um, with that, uh, we will we'll move on from talking about it, but just know that we're keeping this Josephson family in our prayers and just ask... That, Actually in our prayers too, like it's yeah. not just that, yeah. you know. Um, and we want you to, uh, if you're listening, to, to maybe pause the podcast and lift up a prayer yourself for, sure. for her family and what they're going through now. Um, so in a, in a brutal change of subject. Uh, we are going to jump into our other current events for today. Uh, the first headline that we've got to get to is, let's see, uh, <laughs> this is just ridiculous. Um, Florida man doesn't get straw, attacks McDonald's employee. Florida man doesn't get straw and attacks McDonald's employee. This is a Jeez, this article is ridiculous. Caleb, what are you doing? Um, so Daniel Taylor, who was 41, uh, became upset Monday when there were no straws in the St. Petersburg area um, and asked for a straw, didn't get one, and then began screaming at employees and making a scene at a McDon- local McDonald's in St. Petersburg. David, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, for, okay, it's a straw. Like You can calm down, but... Also, like, it was the law. It says that Florida changed the law, and the employee explained that they can't... Like, he had to ask for one, and he would have gotten one, but that was the law in Florida now, I guess. Um, And so he, like, got super mad, and then left, and then came back, and still was mad and kicked somebody. (laughs) Like, the outrage over a straw is baffling. I mean, I've been outraged, you know, before, but I don't think I've ever... I don't even like straws. So wait, is this like one of those... Is this the plastic straw? <coughs> yeah. So they, they pass a law said no plastic straws? Well, they pass a law. You have to ask for it's, one. Yeah, so it's cutting back on like automatically ah, well, getting okay. the straws out. So well, then I understand his frustration. And I'm not saying I'm not saying he should have <laughs> reacted the way that he did. Violence is never the answer ever. But, dude, you ever... I mean, McDonald's has these giant lids, these giant openings, and sometimes the ice gets stuck at the bottom and it attacks your face. And so I'm thinking straw. I'm thinking one plastic straw could have solved this problem. Yeah, and that's, yeah. And that's your preference. You ask for one. Okay. Yeah. Didn't he ask for one? No, he didn't. He just started he getting mad. He didn't come with one. I'm going to be honest, too. I'm just not a straw drinker. Yeah, like, especially with soda. Like, As you don't drink, drink, drink out of straws? Dude, I don't. What kind of sick I I mean, person? I, I like hiccup every time. I only, anyway, that's I only me. You don't have to go into that. Uh, but hiccups I, mean, I have to take a drink to go. That's okay. Hold on, hold on. So if he got angry with them, why didn't they just give him a straw? I think he grabbed her collar and yeah. thought she probably like wanted to punch him first, and then yeah, <laughs> probably was disinterested in giving him a straw. For that. <laughs> was he was he maybe intoxicated or what was his? 
Do we know? You, you know as much as I do, man. <laughs> well, he was 41, so. Well, I, I wasn't like, like kicked, he kicked a lady too, man. Yeah. This guy's wild. You're defending huh? him, so. I'm not defending him at all. Don't, okay, don't. <laughs> We're not saying that. On the record. I'm, I'm just saying I understand the anger of wanting a straw. I've been in places where I thought a bendy straw is necessary. Or maybe I got a milkshake and I got one of those tiny straws that doesn't really suck up a milkshake. And it's frustrating, man. It's a tough thing. Now, would I ever resort to violence? No. But can I understand maybe just being angry? Yeah. Something can maybe solve your problems with words is where I'd go. Yeah. Maybe a, hey, can I get a straw instead of a, let me just say nothing and punch you. (laughs) Yeah. And my hope is that he said that and they maybe said no, but I don't, it's just a wild, it's a world, it's the world we live in. Straws and no straws are no straws. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's I can understand. That's all. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, that's the last straw for me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was funny. Well, I this think. has been the more and more podcast, <laughs> and we're pretty much done. That I, I can guarantee at least one person listening just laughed. Like I really hope. If you did, just let me know. That's Do you have I'm any more straw related puns? I'm not gonna try because if I try, it just okay. gets worse. That was just off the top of my head. Well, we can yeah. draw straws to see who makes the next one. <laughs> yeah, well, that's funny. The person okay. loses, <laughs> the person loses, just have to suck it up. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, well, and then. that was all of us. We are um, we're done. Yeah. So the the last article we'll get to today: uh, Trump threatens to shut down Mexico border. Quote: Not kidding around. <laughs> I'm not kidding around. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Um, basically, the gist is that Donald Trump. Uh, is going to close all all border operations with the, with Mexico. That means trade. It says he says it could mean trade. We will close it for a long time. <laughs> um, man, I wish somebody was here who had actually good impersonation. <laughs> um, but he's threatening to close the border because of the immigration issue. If Mexico doesn't shut down immigration, so illegal immigration, illegal immigration. Yeah, yeah specifically. Like, so not just the, the, people the, the threat is he'll he'll close it unless. Mexican authorities immediately halt all illegal immigration, which is, man, that's a lofty goal for them to do in a week. Um, yeah. He has really high expectations and standards for them. He must really think high of them. Yeah, what do you, what do you think, <laughs> David? What's, uh, um, what's your general thoughts on this here debacle? I think my first thought of it is go listen to what, episode four, Levi Wright, shameless plug. Um, Appreciate. Yeah, that one was really helpful. I think... Um, like I think most of us can agree that increased border security isn't a bad thing, um, but when you'd you, be surprised on who would agree with you, but I I do. So yeah. I'm with you. Um, but when it's like a, we're gonna threaten to not like not let anybody go either. Like what if in a couple of weeks I have a business trip to Mexico, I just can't go and I get fired. Like <laughs> I think it's a selfish a selfish thing to just be like, yeah, I'm gonna halt everyone's lives and make everyone's lives miserable on this empty thread that like. If I'm Mexico, I'm probably not gonna, you know, bow down and yeah. submit to this. Like I would say, I bet the people who are crossing illegally are really bummed out that they can't cross anymore. Yeah, because <laughs> Trump right. said they couldn't. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just, um, <laughs> geez, I think there's a lot of work. There's a lot of things at play here. Um, first, like, this is again, I am not the Lord. This is my opinion, but I, I think illegal immigration is a bad thing. Um, we need to. For sure. To funnel people into our legal systems, which in a large part are not um, are, are pretty broken, but that's a, that's a different topic. I, I think our producer Caleb uh, DJ Levy Lou yep. is Sweet. right in saying, um, I don't know what shutting down the border means for illegal immigrants. I don't know that it does anything to stop the issue. If you're shutting down legal trade and legal immigration in order to 
get people to stop illegal immigration seems seems a little strange. And also, I, I just think it, it is crippling both countries. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and D, it, it tries to simplify an issue that's really, really, really complicated, more complicated than any of us can, can figure out. Because mm-hmm. um, when you add in drug trade and immigration and um, firearms and all kinds of things and ICE agents who now have nothing to patrol because you've shut down everything, it just seems a little um, short-sighted. But also, what do I know? I'm a, I'm a idiot kid. <laughs> recording a podcast with his friends, so I, 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 yeah. don't, I don't know if I know much. Like, I, I, don't, I honestly don't know a lot on the subject either, but my reason tells me that if all legal trade is forced to stop, then illegal trade was, or like, like <laughs> illegal border crossing will go up because if it's all illegal and it's going to happen anyway, like, I don't know. And also, economically, the article says would threaten uh, 5 million American jobs. That's at wow. least 5 million uh, families are not so super happy. Dollars. Yeah, like, Billions of dollars. That's insane. Five million American jobs. Yep. Wow, you learn something, something every According day. According to AP News. Yeah, that is wild. So, um, yeah, my general thoughts are maybe, maybe bad Trump. Some days you gotta, you gotta just, you gotta play good Trump, bad Trump. Bad, bad, and there's, don't Yeah, there's, there's. Some, He's our president, you guys. Yeah, there's some wow. good, good Trump, bad Trump. Um, I, he's our president. I respect him. Don't know if I agree with this one, but. You know, you win some, you lose some. Sure. Swing and miss sometimes. Swing and a miss. Sometimes you hit a home run. Sometimes you you don't. So um, <laughs> that's what I'll say. Uh, yeah, all that said, David, uh, we would love to hear some of your recommendations. As you know, Culture and Faith Podcast, as we say all the time. Uh, probably just heard a bump on the microphone. That was my bad. I just kicked the crap out of the table. Yeah, so, Stern look from Caleb. Don't yeah, worry. I'm reprimanding him. DJ, love you, Luke. Give me the, give me the look. Um, <laughs> Yeah, what are your recommendations uh, culturally? What are you reading? What are you watching that our listeners should give a little look-see? And if one more person recommends The Office I won't. on this Surprisingly, flipping to podcast, I I'm going to lose my mind. We get it. Any more guests that are listening, if you know you're going to be a guest on this podcast, <laughs> don't come on here recommending The Office. I'm sick of it. Everybody's already seen it. I won't do it. You're done. Recommend We've friends. had two people yeah. <laughs> recommending The Office. So. Um... My first recommendation is a novella written by uh, a then second grader, David Domalski, called Mike's oh First Swimmy. <laughs> I, I, uh, I did write a book, and man, I got a tangent real quick. I wrote a book in second grade, and, and like one of those marble composition notebooks, and my dad like typed it up and scanned the illustrations. It's a picture book, chapter book, and he wow. gave it to me, best present I've ever gotten. So, Tony D, thanks, dog. You're the best. Um, wow. So you can borrow that from me. Um, you'll learn a lot about Mike's first from me and the many after that. Um, I read a book, recently finished it, called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus about, uh, by the author um, Nabil Qureshi. He just kind of goes into really cool detail about his conversion from Muslim, uh, Islam to Christianity, and it's awesome. Um, also, anything by C.S. Lewis, I'm reading Screwtape Letters for the first time, and it's oh, man. mind-blowing, man. Wow. Yeah, Screwtape Letters <clears throat> is probably the greatest Christian fiction really, really novel good. of all time. Um, a soul winner, the Soul Winner by Charles Spurgeon. I haven't started it, but... Do you like, read anything that's not Christian? <laughs> My source of me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> dude, Harry Potter. I, I want to give... I have like just watched all the movies, so read Harry Potter. Oh, Apparently, perfect. Caleb is too smart for it and stop reading them. Apparently. Apparently. Yeah. Uh, That's whack, because they're awesome. Yeah, they are. Shows, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, so... Boom! No, yeah, oh, I thought you said boom. It's no, great. I love it. So I like have always been a huge Office fan, but Brooklyn Nine-Nine is rivaling it right now, which is... Yeah. It's really funny, really good. It's a classic. Really good show. Um, 
listen to the Moth podcast. It's about like it's, it's a podcast of just of people that tell stories. Um, really, yeah, really cool. The, the I'm one subscribing the, right now. Yeah, it's just you, like you gained one, like an hour long of, of storytelling. Um, I listened to one when I was driving over spring break, uh, and like the theme was family, and the last one like literally made me tear up uh, just because oh, it was dude, beautiful. If I'm gonna be crying on something, yeah, I'm be... dude, the Moth. Left. Is this it? Yeah. It's got 4.5 stars on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, Hampton was not expecting a good recommendation from me, but I hit him with one. Nope. So. <laughs> we, have had, uh, we have five stars, and that's no, that's not, I'm just saying. Just comparison. <laughs> but yeah, hit up the moth if you, if you want. Dude, podcasts are, are in. They're way in, dude. That's why we started them. Yeah, more off. and more podcasts. Oh, shoot. Listen There's more and more podcasts <laughs> oh. getting play. Uh, any, any other recommendations? Uh, I think that's it, man. That's, yeah, that's it for me. What about awesome. you? you have any? Oh, uh, <laughs> go ahead. It's all you, man. If you want to follow anybody yeah, on where Instagram. where can you follow? <laughs> um, That's what I was going to ask. Where can people find you and your work? Um, you can follow me on Twitter, but I haven't had it on my phone for about two and a half years, so I won't follow you back. If you want okay, to follow so me don't on... follow him on Twitter. That's yeah. a horrible recommendation. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about, David. Sorry. All right. Uh, <laughs> we were doing so good. <laughs> Instagram, yeah. at DavidDom, D-A-V-I-D-D-O-M-1. David uh, Dom one. David Dom one. one. Yeah. Awesome. And anything to add before we get out of here? I'm good, man. That was awesome. Appreciate y'all having me. Dude, appreciate you being on. Uh, as always, follow the More and More podcast. That's at More and More. Spell out the and. Um, some of you have been like ampersanding, and we don't even. I can't even say that word correctly. So it's More and More well, podcast. Our, our title on podcast has a plus sign. So, oh, more plus more. Well, not on not on Instagram, but like the title of our podcast is more plus more. So I'm just in confusion. Ah, so Caleb understands you. He's, <laughs> you're he's here. <laughs> you're searching. Look, we're still working out the kinks. Everybody, breathe. It's getting a little testy. I can feel it over the the radio waves. <laughs> uh, it's more plus more on Apple Podcasts and more and more podcasts on Instagram. And as always, follow me at Hampton Harmon. Uh, if you follow the More and More podcast Instagram and you don't follow Hampton Harmon. Uh, I'm going to take that as a personal affront um, to which I will be uh, seeking you out and asking you a series of serious questions. Um, But all that said, follow us at More and More Podcast, and we would love to hear from you. DM us any questions that you want to address next week. Um, Yeah, we love you, and we out. Hey, guys, this is Hampton from the More and More Podcast. Um, We just had an episode where we talked to David Domoski. It was a really fun episode, but I do want to highlight some stuff. Um, We talked about Samantha Josephson, who uh, was a student who recently passed away at the University of South Carolina, and we just want to remind students that Shandon College is available. Uh, Our leadership is available to provide counseling, to provide some comfort, to uh, really provide anything that's necessary. So if you are someone who's struggling with that, if you're grieving, we grieve with you, and we want to offer you anything we can uh, so feel free to DM at Shandon College or to e- email me specifically. That's hharmon, hharmon at shandon.org. I would love to talk to you. I would love to provide any comfort I can. I know this is a really rough time. But also be reminded that there are some uh, resources available for the University of South Carolina students. Those are specifically the, the Counseling Center is open uh, regularly on Sunday from 2 to 8 p.m. for drop-in sessions and throughout the week, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. You can also have 24-7 counseling services by calling this number. That's 803-777-5223. Again, that's 
5223. And then as always, call 911 if you're in danger. Call 911 if you are struggling with uh, suicidal thoughts. They, they respond to those kind of things. And then the USC Police Department is at this number, 803-777-4215. That's 803-777-4215. I know this is a tough time with two students having passed away. Just know that we are a church that mourns with you. And even if you are not wanting to contact us as a church or not wanting to contact me, that's totally fine. Uh, grieve however you want. But just know that we love you. We're praying for you. We're praying for the family of Samantha Josephson. Um, and we really, really um, desire the good for her family and for you guys. So we love you. And as always, uh, tune in next week. Thanks, guys.